Before Google or Amazon ever existed, it was the big financial institutions, the Morgan Stanleys, the Goldman Sachs of the world, who were buying up the PhDs in mathematics and artificial intelligence. Nowadays, those big name brand tech companies that we all know, love, and use every day get a little bit more press and clout for their innovative uses of AI. But finance is certainly still ahead of the curve compared to most other industries by a wide margin. Uh, most of us might know this somewhat intuitively, assume that there's some cool, fancy AI stuff happening behind the scenes at hedge funds. But as it turns out, Finance as a whole, from accounting to insurance and beyond, is being overhauled in important and interesting ways, with new tasks being automated and new tasks being optimized beyond the obvious. And that's what we cover in this episode on the AI Industry Podcast. We're lucky enough to have Alexander Fleiss, who is the CEO of Rebellion Research. Uh, they apply artificial intelligence to optimizing investments for folks that contribute money to them, whether that be angel-level people or, or investment firms. And that by itself is not all that unique. The fact that they've been doing it since 2007, so 10 years now, does make them rather unique. And Alexander's been in this space for quite some time, seeing artificial intelligence sort of wiggle its tentacles into so many corners of finance. So we talked to him today about how all those different dark corners of finance are being affected by AI. And what does that mean for you and I, who are running businesses and managing our own money? in our own lives. So without further ado, again, this is Alexander with Rebellion Research, and we're talking about the impact of AI on finance broadly. So Alex, you guys have been at this for a little bit longer than most. Safe to say machine learning and finance certainly was happening before machine learning in, uh, you know, various other sectors was sort of happening in finance before it was cool. You guys jumped on it before, you know, the 2012 big kickoff. You guys were already in it for five years. Let me ask you this question. Where do you see machine learning currently uh, making the biggest difference in finance today? I think some people assume maybe it's still really only in the purview of hedge funds and, and funds like yourself. Um, where do you see machine learning making a difference across the industry of finance? Well, there are so many individual parts to finance that are going to be affected from insurance companies doing, you know, using smart document search to do assessments of, uh, you know, people's risk factors to, you know, doing background checks. Um, uh, there's a, a new upstart company started by a, a very smart British guy, Michael Hussein, where, um, they're using machine learning to do intelligent background checks, um, at affordable rates for uh, brokerage and asset management firms they want to do background checks on both customers and employees without having to pay hundreds of dollars and apparently he's been picked up by a lot of very impressive companies so machine learning also is going to really affect accounting you know so often you know with inventory accounting businesses that you know deal with you know more and more inventory you know to deal with theft uh, and lost assets people can use machine learning to see, you know, when there are holes in the books and with automated books, without having to wait three weeks, you know, within a day or two, the machine learning will say, okay, all of a sudden, you know, what happened, you know, X amount of this raw material came from this provider, but it's not accounted for currently in all the various stores, it's disappeared. And, all, and, and so without having to go backwards three weeks from there, you can go backwards two days. So inventory accounting is huge for the targets and the Walmarts and, um, that's going to be, you know, very, very, very important because that's, 
you know, and Amazon is already, you know, using machine learning in every possible facet they can get their hands on. So there, there's so many niche ways that machine learning is going to make a difference in finance. Uh, it's it's really the, the littlest applications are, are going to, I think that you and I can't even think about, of course, if we did, we'd go and start these companies. But, you know, machine learning is just a very useful, you know, kind of smart little brain that you can apply to you know, various tasks uh, here and there. And so it's a lot of niche applications as well. I, I like and I like the I, niches, Alex. I actually kind of want to riff with you on that. I'm glad you started off on the foot that you did. Um, I think most people assume, especially given what, what you guys do at Rebellion Research, you know, that, that you'd be talking immediately about looking at candlestick charts and having machine learning do something about that. But you brought up some, some dynamics that I think are useful. Background checks for employees in, in the finance space and for um, customers, both of which are going to be really important. You talked about accounting. Really interesting note. I was on a panel with the, the head of risk from Citigroup, and she told me that you know, they're using machine learning at you know, wire transfers to say, hey, is this a, you know, a quote-unquote shady wire transfer? So you know, machine learning has all these individual niches, and the truth is it's going to replace a lot of jobs. Honestly, it's the one thing that does make me uh, w- kind of worried about machine learning. It's going to, you know, we're going to lose a lot of jobs in this economy, and I'm not sure how we're going to replace them, frankly, in time. Yeah, that, that's definitely its own podcast. And luckily, there's folks focusing on that. But I think probably you and I are both of the ilk that uh, yeah. it's really going to be tough to, to find the right way to catch that fly ball whenever it does pop off. Hopefully, it's, you know, slightly gradual. But regardless, I, I, I want to riff on these niches. So accounting makes a lot of sense to me too, intuitively, Alex, because you know, any any domain where there's a high volume of digitally trackable activity, um, such as in the marketing space, we just did a big research uh, piece on a whole bunch of different marketing companies. Um, and, and really, the consensus was, hey, the more digitally trackable touch points you have with your customers, the, the easier it's going to be to apply. Machine learning, not surprising. Accounting, man, especially at big firms, there's got to be such a huge volume going on there that to be able to call out oddities, to be able to call out imbalances, seems to be something that machines very much should be able to do. I think this happens at a light level in QuickBooks, maybe, but certainly not to the extent that you and I are talking about. So we talk about screening people. We talk about looking for fraud and bank wires. We talk about accounting, which makes a lot of sense. What are some of these other interesting niche ones? You get to be on these panels, you speak at events. What are some other cool corners of finance where you're seeing machine learning creep in? Um, I mean, machine learning. <sighs> we could talk about fi- I, we could talk just, about like think- trading as well. I mean, that's the world that you come from. Maybe you could just talk about all the the, the yeah, differences no, I mean, and shifts I, I, in trading. No, I mean, I think it's a given that you know machine learning will come in trading, and you will have more and more you know machine learning driven finance financial advisors and portfolio managers. You know, every job is going to be automated by machine learning. You're going to have. Uh, I think one of the coolest things I've seen is there's an investment bank in San Francisco. That's trying to create a machine learning based investment banker. It's going to, you know, have this history of past M and A, and it's going to focus on an industry, and it's going to say, "Oh, uh, Amazon should buy uh, Hewlett Packard." I mean, obviously, that's probably a stupid example, but or, or more maybe more specific, uh, you know, uh, Garmin should buy some small public, you know, uh, tracking satellite company. That you know, the point is that. What this bank is trying to build is really a, a machine learning iBanker, uh, an idea generator for CEOs to make M&A. 
So what jobs won't be replaced by machine learning? You'll have, you know, humans working in concert with machine learning, but you'll just have fewer humans in almost every job because you can have machine learning take away the need for so many human beings. We are. Uh, you need human yeah. beings to work in concert, but it's, 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 you're going to need many fewer. This is a, well, it's kind of refreshing on some level. We will talk about the future of, of finance as well, where I'm sure we'll touch a little bit more on that employment concern. Um, it, it's, it's, Oftentimes, Alex, when we do interviews with executives, they're very tentative to talk about the replacement of jobs and the disruptive impact because these are people who want. I apologize for that. No, 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 dude, no, 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 no. There is nothing to apologize for. There is nothing to apologize for. In fact, Alex, I often feel like I have to grill people a little bit to kind of admit that we can't just smile and walk into the sunshine here. Um, you know, when I was speaking with the CTO of Accenture a little while ago, I mean, man, they've got 300,000 employees. How, how many times do you think they can say the word replace uh, without like – Oh, my God. Oh, they oh, can geez. never say yeah, replace, no. oh, right? Oh, my God. You couldn't even imagine. Oh, my God. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. What are you saying? I mean, you know, no. You know, they want to automate every part of their business. They'll try to replace any any person they possibly can. Yep. Um, yeah, it's, it's scary, you know, right? Consulting so, companies especially. Oh, man. I mean, well, think a, about it. If you can take oh. the, the files that are being worked on by Accenture's employees and you can create a machine learning system that can cover 80% of the job, then you only need to hire 30% of the people you used to need because you need to fill a 20% you know gap plus maybe have 10% for you know uh you know synergy and transferring stuff and you know just just to be safe if you will but either way we're talking about 70% of people losing their jobs there so uh, especially with uh you know management consulting you're going to have i mean i mean I, I just i can't think of a industry in finance where you won't have replacement i mean moody's is going to be using machine learning more and more to you know create their um you know default schedule and you know, they used to hire people to, to write out little reports. Now they're having reports done, you know, uh, in automated fashion. I mean, it's uh, yeah. yeah nobody is, wants to talk is, about this. This is good. Thing, no, we're, we're definitely we're definitely going to get into the, the, the future, problem Alex. with machine learning is that every conversation you bring up with machine learning leads to job loss. Yeah, just, I mean, it's like let's not talk about. I, I don't want to talk about job loss. Let's be optimistic. Machine learning is an amazing. It, it, I I tell people it's like the new world. But you know we're still at like fifteen hundred. We're we're really you know like the conquistador stage. Yep. Where machine learning is going to go in the next five hundred years is fantastic. We're still at the dawn of the dawn. Yep. Really I, the dawn of the dawn. I we're think, so we're so yep. you know we're so far at the beginning. It's not even funny. But uh, every conversation with machine learning and ends with uh, you know disrupting our economy in some way or another. Um, adding adding efficiencies and what what are efficiencies? You know. Cost savings and cost savings, and so you know, it's it's honestly, machine learning is going to create more one percent, ninety nine percent. Really, it will because the owners will continue to squeeze out the middlemen, and by squeezing out the middlemen, the owners will have more profit, and they'll make more money, and they'll and the one percent will, will be able to retain more and more. It is, and so, machine yeah. learning will greatly improve to the divide. It's not. I mean, machine learning is a bad thing for the social divide. It's interesting to see how how that will be tackled, I think, in terms of governance, which will have to be a kind of governance beyond national borders, which I think will be a very difficult thing to orchestrate. I, too, have no idea where that's going to go. I do want to touch on one thing before we go into the future, although I'm very eager to dive in right now because I can tell that you contemplate these things as well. Again, most people aren't, aren't really comfortable talking about 
those impacts because they have so many employees and they don't want to piss off their potential customers. For you guys, you don't have to play games and pretend that it's all smiles about investing. Our customers are machine learning believers, people who work in machine learning. Something like 85% of our investors have advanced degrees. You know, though we are you know, very retail, our retail audience is highly educated. And those are the people who tend to gravitate towards machine learning for you know, their financial advisor, but, um, it's just, it's curious your audience, your audience isn't, isn't uh, overtly harmed by you stating the potential for negative future impact, which is an interesting thing. Quick thing about the current state before we move into the future, Alex, you know, uh, managing investments, you talked about an automated investment banker, which I think is fascinating, particularly focused on particular verticals or industries or sectors or what have you. I think that uh, presenting, like having a yeah. system that can present ideas for acquisitions to companies based on you know historical wins and losses and, and buyouts and whatnot. I mean, what a, what a fascinating process that would be if in fact that could be pulled off. You could have multiple facets to the software. One software creates the ideas. This is what the the bank was. I think it was the Future of Technology conference in Chicago, maybe last fall. I think it was Berkeley Noise Company. It was the the head of that bank, and he was talking about how you'd have you know multiple machine learnings, one to generate the ideas, and then the second one to you know estimate the synergy. And so you combine the financials, estimate based on this and this and this, yeah. and these previous deals, and how these deals have gone. You will have an X amount of cost savings. And so all of a sudden, you know, when, when are you going to bring the human in on that train? You know, because it's yep. sounds pretty damn automated to me. But yeah, uh, it, it, well, it, we're clearly, I mean, from really, really scooping out the people in investment banking. Luckily, we got a couple of years. But I mean, it's if if it's currently being visioned and currently being worked on, and if it works, then then we can presume that that's only going to be a trend that continues. You know, a lot of people have are of the belief, Alex, and, and I know we've talked to people in the finance world. Um, who've touched on this a little bit, that you know the bigger hedge funds are starting to pull in additional kinds of data when it comes to managing money. You guys are in the business of managing money. There's there's a number of folks who are in that space who are kind of AI-centric and who are not. You know, People have talked about all kinds of interesting new streams of data, whether it be you know Google Earth information that lets us estimate populations or economic activity in different areas where we're doing business, whether yeah. it be pulling in social media and sentiment and headline analysis and factoring that into uh, you know how we're going to deal with the candlestick charts in front of us this millisecond. All of these these additional streams of digital data about the physical world and about the way that we talk about that physical world via online channels is being kind of pulled into how decisions are being made uh, and how decisions are being automated, not just made by people, but automated by machines. Are you seeing this trend as well, not only with your own work uh, at Rebellion, but but in terms of what kind of the big dogs in finance are up to these days? Yeah, no, they, they want to get their hands on as much uh, economic insight as possible. They want uh, the actual raw data. They want to know, you know, Michael's and company's volume in the last week uh, on the website did X and what was the market expecting. So, you know, from, uh, you know, user reviews to any type of volume they can get their hands on. Um, talk, talk to me about, yeah, talk to me about some it, other sources now. Again, you know, so the Twitter, the Twitter, I just want, the Twitter data is very like variable. Sometimes it's, it's not, I've heard mixed reviews on how much of a predictor it is, but in terms of, you know, so I, I, you know, Target got hit a few weeks ago, and apparently there are a lot of hedge funds that are short Target 
because there were a lot of programs that were seeing drops in targets value you know, versus uh, you know, previous years. And so that was an instance. I think the target drop in the last month is a very good example uh, where you have hedge funds that are using smarter and smarter data to tail patterns um, you know, before they get announced publicly. And so you know, that was a case where you had you know, maybe a dozen plus hedge funds that had insight into targets, uh, you know, lack of sales, and they're having a historical low and you know turnout for their, their for their quarter. And so that was that was something interesting I heard recently. And so, um, so anything uh, that can be a proxy for you use the term economic insight, which I think is a, a a nice way to frame this, Alex. So basically, what you're getting at is any large enough you know, statistically significant, we could say, source of data that could help us proxy the success or failure of some kind of an, an economic result would be something that hypothetically people trading in that space would want to get their hands on. You mentioned customer reviews. You mentioned ways to kind of figure out um, volume of checkouts well, yeah, on a so website. It, what else is out there? So the quick, I mean, you know, so like with Lionsgate, if, they're, if one of their big movies is getting bad user reviews... Then you know, then all of a sudden, hey, the moves may not, you know, odds are bad that it's going to make its numbers, and then Lionsgate is a, you know, a, a nice shorting opportunity. So, um, you know, or 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 any retail company that has a new product launch, you know, or not just a retail company, but um, a lot of software companies have, you know, their new next version technologies, or semiconductors, you know, have their next version uh, semiconductor. And, you know, if you can get data from, uh, you know, user review websites that say people don't like the new Hewlett Packard Enterprise software, then all of a sudden, you know, you're going to get a lot of smart data shops, you know, telling their hedge fund clients, you know, hey, you know, the new, you know, Hewlett Packard, you know, billion dollar enterprise software is not being bought by anyone. Or maybe like Zebra, Zebra, you know, sells um the black and white chains to keep track of things, you know, the zebra chains, uh, barcodes, barcodes, and you know, and zebra's customer acquisitions could drop, and if hedge funds find out before the market finds out that zebra's not selling their next generation barcode software, you know, that that's a place where hedge funds can go in and take advantage of the market. Got it. And and do you do you see this happening outside of hedge funds and even in smaller kind of you know management funds along along the lines of maybe what you guys are doing? Do you think eventually even you know, the stodgy world of mutual fund type folks and kind of boring investing will almost ubiquitously involve some level of this so they don't just get destroyed oh, no, by the disruptors. Oh, no, I think a lot disruptors. of them already do. No, I think a lot of them already do. I've talked to a lot of mutual funds. Uh, oh, okay, interesting. Well, yeah, give us my, some insight there. No, yeah, I think it's already happening. I think a lot of the biggest JP Morgan, like Mason Fidelity mutual funds are already buying this data, frankly. I know because I've talked to analysts who are curious you know, uh, you know, we sell a an economic report, but you know, we don't offer raw data, and so generally, that's not something that funds want to buy. They want uh, more raw data, and so you know, we do have a few uh, funds that look at our predictions, and they tell me that they, you know, that they're trying to buy as much smart data as possible, and so I think it's very much already being used by a lot of old line hedge, a lot of old line mutual funds. Interesting. Okay, cool. So that, that's a, that's a nice take home note for the folks tuned in is that sort of the stodgy folks uh, are, are waking up as well. And I don't mean that in an insult in any way. I'm just saying there's going to be some people on the cutting edge and some people who aren't. It is what it is. Yeah. Last, last topic. I know we're, we're just about uh, on time in just a second here, Alex, but I did want to give you a, a, a pinch of a moment to 
kind of give us a view here. We, we talked a bit about you know Accenture and some of these other folks really not really being able to say the word replace. I have nothing but respect for Accenture. I do want to make that clear. Paul was super nice to us. But you can understand that it's a very sensitive topic for a guy like him and for a company like it's that. It's the last thing. With so many yeah, people. It's the last thing he, this man's going to want to talk he, about. He can't. You know? Yeah, he I can't mean, really. And, and again, he's, he's got to pay the mortgage. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And, and at the end of the day, even if Accenture did have certain areas where they, they'd like to kind of you know, repurpose or maybe phase out folks, that wouldn't be something that they could necessarily talk about. I'm, I'm not going to say they have any malicious intentions for their employees at all, but of course it's a sensitive topic. For you, it's not, you know, you're a believer. The people who invest in you guys and in your financial products are, are believers. You can talk about it pretty openly. If you, if you have like a few minutes to kind of sum up, at least in the finance space, the area you know best, Alex, the domains in which you think human effort is most quickly going to just evaporate in terms of uh, the domain of finance, what are what are a few of those hot spots that for you the next five or ten years basically means like no more jobs? Huh. Um, yeah, no, that, that's a that's a great question, and I've been thinking about that a lot, you know, myself. Um, I think that. You know, brokers, you're going to see a lot of brokers uh, losing business, a lot of you know, financial advisors, uh, bankers, bankers and brokers are going to get hit. And a lot, but as much, I mean, in terms of like number of jobs, it's the retail banks, they're going to fire the most people. I mean, you know, Citibank and JP Morgan hired, they, they employ many times uh, what mutual funds do. And, uh, now what, what, are, what, are, those do. Roles, and so, what are those roles that they're so not going to be they're, hiring? They're going to have, you're going to have fewer and fewer people at the window. Got it. You're going to have fewer, fewer, fewer back office. I mean, Citibank, I remember in the nineties built, you know, uh, at the time, one of the tallest skyscrapers in New York to just hold quote back office people. And, you know, I heard a number thrown around that they're going to be able to eventually replace 80% of those in the next five years, you know, with technology. And so Citibank, huh. you know, and, Bank of America, that the big U.S. banks are going to fire tens of thousands of operations, accounting, you know, uh, a lot of paper pushers because banks used to generate a lot of paper. You know, there's a lot, you know, this checking account and that account and this flow and that flow and that wire and this wire. And, you know, you need someone to check everything. But if you don't need someone to do everything anymore or at least 70 percent, 80 percent. And so the idea is, you know, you've got the river and you just want to, you know, you want to put a dam in the river and try to slowly take away as much of the water towards the machine learning world, which is cheaper and, you know, give the humans less and less, you know, jobs. Um, it's like the postal service, the way, you know, email and, you know, UPS and FedEx have completely, you know, eaten away at their, their business. Um, the banking industry is a very... There are lots of parts of the banking industry that are very, you know, vestigial, you know, organs of the, the banking industry that they're still necessary, but the way they function is kind of, you know, Old uh, obsolete. Where <laughs> yeah, you can, obsolete dinosaur stuff. No, I'm, just, yeah. I'm saying you, you, you can replace an entire division of the, the back office of a bank, hundreds of people with software. And so in yeah. 1990, you might have had a thousand people in security, uh, you know, and transfer checking and then in, in 2000 that number was up to 2000 and then what if by 2020 that number is down to like 80 so you know jp morgan has a quarter million employees bank of america 300,000 employees wells fargo probably 400,000 employees citibank other 400,000 employees most of these employees don't talk to customers they're back office people my I, I brought up the postal service because the postal service is a very 
old school, archaic institution with a lot of vestigial parts. And the banking sector of America is a lot of old school, you know, it's a very old school system. And then with Dodd-Frank, then they had to hire even more people and become even more bloated. So they, they kind of peaked out, if you will, with Dodd-Frank. And now, you know, with machine learning over the next, you know, decade, you're just going to have so many uh, you know, people lose their jobs in the, the banking sector. Um, and that's going to be, I, I'd say, I'd say the, the, the big four U.S. banks, if you want to know where people are going to get fired from, the, the big four U.S. banks are going to fire the heck out of people. It's going to be awful. Um, yeah, wow. They just hire many, many, okay. many more people than Accenture. And a lot of their you know, hiring history is based on government regulations. And with Trump as president, you know, and, and he takes away a lot of regulations, that can exacerbate the situation because all of a sudden they don't need the Dodd-Frank people anymore. And they're um, you know, using machine learning and machine learning-like technologies and just a lot of you know, kind of standardized automated technologies and software to replace people, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of job loss. Um, but in terms of percentages, I think, you know, maybe brokers will have the highest percentage loss. Okay. Just to put a cap on this, I'm going to try to, um, I'm going to try to make this digestible for non-finance folks tuned in before we wrap up. I think this is interesting. Again, you've sure. been thinking about this for, you know, a decade. And, and I think it'll be interesting to kind of congeal this for the folks tuned in. You clearly have some strong feelings about this stuff. And, and inklings about where where the technology is going, you know. You mentioned how kind of dinosaur style a lot of banking is. You know, in some ways, you would say that's that's the classic kind of ripe for disruption situation. Although, kind of, you know, the the cost of getting into that space and the regulations in that market in general kind of make it a little bit more challenging. But at the same time, it sounds like you, know, you mentioned the paper pushers, back office people. I'm hearing these words all the time. Is it safe to say? If you are manipulating, moving, or entering data, and that that is 80 plus percent of your time, that's kind of the big sign that like you might want to shuffle your career a bit. I mean, are, are those the commonalities of the folks who yeah, are going to get bumped out? Oh, of course. Yes. Without a doubt. No, you, you just described exactly the person I fear for the most. Huh. Okay. Got it. Very, very, very nice to kind of, again, put a capsule around that. Interesting to contemplate for those of us. Uh, who are in the finance space or who have money invested in in places uh, and and cool to get a perspective from somebody who's literally buried in this domain. Alex, that's that's all we had for time. I'm happy that we got to touch a little bit on the uh, the bigger long-term impact. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah, yeah, indeed, brother. I, I really appreciate the perspective. We'll catch you soon. Well, that wraps up today's episode here on the Tech Emergence Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to stay in touch with our latest interviews with C-level executives and top researchers and thinkers in the domains of AI and the intersection of technology and intelligence, then make sure to subscribe here on iTunes or visit us on our main website at techemergence.com where you can see all of our interviews broken down by category as well as articles, news, market research, and trends in artificial intelligence. If you found this episode particularly thought-provoking, feel free to leave your thoughts in a review here on iTunes, or you can feel free to reach out to us at our main website. Thanks as always for tuning in, and I'll catch you next week.